0: Okay, friends, the story begins. We are on page 28. We are continuing hodu, the opening prayer to the formal part of the evening. Hodu is a very long prayer. We've split it into three, and we're on the third part. The first part spoke about our uh, concession to God, us conceiving to God. Hodu means to thank, it means to praise, it also means to concede. We spoke about the joy that concession comes with. We spoke about the history of this prayer. King David saying this as the Aaron, as the Ark of the Covenant was being placed, the joy that that came with the sense of spirituality and us having faith in that sense of spirituality now, even though we don't have the actual Ark or the temple. We then spoke about section two, the second part last week about how it's not only a Jewish thing to praise God, It's a human thing to praise God. And it's something that everybody can do. It's something that everybody will do at some point in the messianic era. Then we get to the third part. Take a look on page 28. In the Hebrew, the word is bolded. The hurachum. He is merciful. In the English, it is... I should have underlined this. Hold on. What 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 line was vuhu rachum? In Hebrew, it's the fifth line,
1: fifth the end
0: line. of the line. Oh, I see. It says vuhu rachum. You see it? Yeah, why, why is it yeah. bolded? It's bolded just to indicate that the chazan says that out loud. Oh. Is there a reason the chazan says it out loud? Um, I, there, I'm sure there is, but I don't know it. <laughs> In the English... Take a look on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines down from the top. And he being compassionate, do you see it? Okay. And he being compassionate, pardons iniquity and does not destroy time and time again. He turns away his anger and does not arouse all of his wrath. But God is compassionate. God forgives, God atones. Commentaries ask something interesting. It says, he atones, v'hu Rahum. Right, v'hu in Hebrew, it's v'hu and he rachum, is merciful, Yechaper avon, atones on sin. Why doesn't it say who is merciful? Why doesn't it say the Lord is merciful using one of God's divine names? Why does it say he ambiguously? So this gives us incredible insight into how we understand the mechanics of God's forgiveness. And this is important, especially at the time of year that we're in, approaching the month of Elul, the month of mercy. Similar to the idea of Moda'ani. Moda'ani doesn't have God's name in it because it's much greater than a name. What, What is a name? Why does God have so many names? A name is an avenue with which you connect to someone. A name is a description. Certain names refer to his judgment. Certain names refer to his kindness. A name is an identifier. Which means it's how we perceive him. Do we perceive him as a father? Do we perceive him as a spouse? Do we perceive him as a king? To get forgiveness from God. To tap into the compassion and mercy of God. You can't focus on how you relate to him. You have to focus on him. I'm going to say that again because this is super important. You can't just focus on how you perceive God. You got to focus on God himself. As he is beyond description. His raw self. And that's why we say he ambiguously. Without any name. That's the power of teshuvah literally translated or often translated as repentance, literally translated as returning. The ability to do teshuva means to connect to him. Think about it this way. If a person neglects to do a mitzvah, a person neglects to, or or a person does a sin, so they've offended or transgressed God's will, right? So how does teshuva fix that? Okay, uh, on a very simple level, God, please forgive me. Okay, permission, forgive, great. Fine. But the, the Kabbalists take this much further. You've transgressed God's will. So to fix that, you got to connect to something higher than his will Him. A mitzvah connects you to what God wants, Teshuvah connects you to God himself. I'm going to share with you a very powerful piece of the Talmud. I'm going to paraphrase it. I'll tell you a great story, a uh, joke. It's, it's it's a joke, but it actually happened. <laughs> um, there, there was an old family friend who was going, going through something, some sort of drinking issue, and we were trying to figure out what happened. So... I was saying maybe he's having issues in his relationships and this is what led him there. My mom was saying, no, maybe there's more, you know, maybe it's more of like a, you know, social, maybe it's more of a social uh, challenge. My dad was thinking maybe it's more of a legal challenge. My brother, my brother says, wait a minute. My brother says, you guys are just looking at this from the, Viewpoint of your of your uh, of your own professions. <laughs> so, Josh, you're a rabbi. You're thinking about and, and you know, a therapist. You're thinking about relationships. My dad's a lawyer, is thinking about the law. My mom's a social worker. Mm-hmm. My brother looks. My brother's an accountant. He works for a Mexican radio station, a, a Latin American radio station, Spanish radio station. Does accounting for them, based out of Los Angeles. He says maybe he wanted to be a Mexican radio host. <laughs> And he's disappointed. He was joking. But but what we learned from there was how jaded we are. How we see things from a very specific perspective, and then we tend to label things from that perspective. And teshuva means totally backing out of any preconceived notion and just connecting to the raw God himself, not how we perceive it. So to illustrate this, there's a fascinating anecdote. It's, it's more of a philosophical anecdote. It didn't necessarily happen um, in the Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud. And here's what it says. And I paraphrase. They asked wisdom. If somebody sins, what do they, what do we do? What do we tell them? And what this means is if you were to look at sin from the perspective of wisdom, what would happen? From a wise perspective. The answer is. Quoting the biblical verse. (laughs) Sins will lead. To evil pursuits. Negativity is going to chase him. Effectively karma. Although we do believe a different version of karma. But. that's That's the logical progression of sin. Right. You do bad. Bad happens. Okay. Then the Talmud says they asked. Prophecy. Somebody sins, what do they do? In other words, were you to view sin from the paradigm of a prophet? Prophecy answers. Not that prophecy. You know, this is more of like a um, anthropomorphic voice that prophecy would have, the cause of the prophecy. Prophecy answers death. Where does prophecy come from? A solid connection to God. Sin is severing that connection to God. Okay, then they asked the Torah. Somebody sins, what do we do? What do we answer him? The Torah responds, what would the Torah say? The Torah tell you the law. That's what the Torah says, it's the book of laws. The law is bring a sacrifice, get atonement by bringing a sacrifice. Okay, then they asked God himself. Somebody sins, what do we tell him, what do we do? And God responds due to teshuvah. Come back. Where are they coming back to? To God. Teshuvah bypasses wisdom. It bypasses prophecy. It even bypasses the Torah. God's laws. Because it connects you to God himself. This is why the Talmud says where a penitent stands, where a person of does teshuvah stands, even a, a Baal Teshuvah, uh, um, even a where, where a person who does Teshuvah stands, even the greatest of righteous people can't stand there. So maybe the Teshuvah is on a much greater level. I'll show you a great insight, by the way. It's relevant to a later prayer, but flip to the Amida for a moment. We're going to flip right back right after this, but flip to the Amida, page 47, please. You see it bottom of the page, all the way in the bottom. We say, pardon us, our father, for we have sinned. And we're going to read the Hebrew, slach lanu, forgive us, avinu, our father. Ki, because, chatanu, we sinned. Okay, does that sound like a funny statement? Forgive us because we sinned? Should say, forgive us despite us sinning, even though we sinned. Why is us sinning a reason for forgiveness? That's not a good reason to forgive us. <laughs> forgive us because we're sorry, or forgive us for our sin. But the word key means because. Forgive us because we've sinned. So the explanation is let us connect to this deep level of, of forgiveness connect not to our perception of God, but connect to God himself. And what enabled that? The fact that we've sinned. The fact that we've sinned, the fact that we went to the dark, we can taste light. We can experience the light. We've hit rock bottom. We can go all the way back. up. That's why a person who does real teshuva, especially out of love, can turn the sin into merit because the sin eventually motivated the connection to God. Only Teshuvah can accomplish this. Teshuvah brings a person to a place where no mitzvah can take them. Teshuva brings us, us to a place that's much deeper. This is why the Rebbe would, in many of his talks, would push that Teshuvah must be done with joy. If a mitzvah has to be done with joy, then teshuva, which is connecting not to the will of God, but to God himself, that for sure needs to be done with joy. And that's why, going back to the verse here, we say he is merciful. He, he ambiguously, not referring to any of his divine names, we're not limiting it to any channel of how we connect to God. We want his raw self. And by the way, this is true in relationships as well. In relationships, whether... I I think this is true in any relationship, whether it be business, marital, friends. We try to please other people's desires. I don't want to do what you want. But what happens when I've neglected what you want or if I disrespected what you want? So hopefully I have a strong enough connection to you. And if I could remind ourselves of the connection we have, despite our desires, we could still have that relationship. We could still have a meaningful relationship. We can get over it. You could forgive me. Or you could even not have to forgive me. I get it. Whatever. Move on. We're still connected. It's the same thing with God. If I could, could it, it, not to undermine the, the value and importance of a mitzvah God for a bit, but just this really uh, underscores the power of teshuva. What teshuva really connects us to. Now, why are we reciting this here? Why are we talking about Teshuvah now? Now, by the way, it's very timely because we're approaching the month of Elul. The, the month that the Elul is an acronym for Anila Dodian to my beloved. To my beloved is to, to me. It's the time that the king is in the field. It's the time that God is open to us actually coming to him. But this is something we say on a daily basis. It's great timing that we're studying it now, but we say this daily. Why is it relevant to the beginning of prayer? And I have several suggestions. Number one the first pre the previous two parts of this Odu prayer spoke about faith faith that the nations are going to have of the world, faith that Jewish people are going to have, and we are often deficient in the expectations that God has with our faith, nevertheless. We can connect to God himself. Faith is our perception of God. We can still connect to God himself. He's merciful. He atones. That's one explanation, one possible connection. Um, But secondly, we spoke a lot about the sacrifices, the korbanot, the offerings. And a korban serves as an atonement for sin. We don't have sacrifices anymore. Yet, we're still saying that God can atone. We can still connect to God. Because if you were to ask, again, like we said earlier from the Talmud, if you were to ask Torah, how do I reconnect? How do I return? Bring an offering. (laughs) Now we're stuck. If you were to ask God, though, he says, just come back home. I'm here. I'm waiting for you. You can always do teshuva. You can always return. How do we do teshuva? How do we return? Take a look at the next verse. Um, about 11 or 12 lines down from the top where it says, Lord, remember your mercies. Do you see it? you see it? One, two, three, four, five. 14 lines from the top. Middle of line, middle of the paragraph. Lord, remember your mercies and kindnesses for they have existed for all time. We tell God, remember how merciful you are. You've always been merciful. I'm going to refer to the Hebrew because, as you know, translations are are, um, are quite limiting. The Hebrew is eight lines to the top. Do you see it where it says "Zehor, Zehor Racha Mecha"? Remember your mercy, Hashem, God, Lord, Ochase your kindness. Key because. Hema. They are forever. They are for all time. What else does Me'olam mean? The world, right? Since the beginning of the world, we've always been merciful. Merciful is embedded in the fabric of, in the narrative of creation. This is what the uh, commentary, the Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi of the medieval Times, Explains that the word Ma'olam means forever. You're forever merciful, but for merciful is also embedded in creation. Since the beginning of creation, you've been merciful. Take a look at the six days of creation. On day number one, God said, "Let there be light." There was light. What did God say? It was good. Right? It was good. Day number two. Day number three. After every creation, God said, "This is good. I did a good job. <laughs> this is good." Right? What did God say on day six of creation after Adam and Eve? And after we he said, this is very good. When does he say this is very good? Ironically, after their sin. You know when their sin took place, the sin of the eating from the fruit, the tree of knowledge? They were created about three hours before Shabbos. So they had to hold out from eating from that fruit for three hours. Yeah, one job. Refrain from that piece of fruit for three hours. They couldn't do it. Yet, right afterward, they've, they've sinned. They messed up catastrophically because the world has changed. They essentially drove God's presence out of this world. It wasn't the same sacred garden as it once was. Charging uh, man throughout the ages with the responsibility of bringing God's presence down back here, which is what we're trying to do with you know, illuminating the world. Yet, what does God say? It was very good. <laughs> they've messed up catastrophically, and God says, this is very good. Because what they've introduced into the world was teshuva, Not just doing what God wants, but connecting to God himself. Not just connecting to his desires, but connecting to him. This is very good. An important thing to remember when it comes to Teshuvah is to trust that God forgives us. Refer back to page 47 for a second, that same blessing we mentioned in the Amida. Actually 48, top of 48, please. I know we're flipping around a lot, but it's all good. Okay, top of the page. Blessed are you, Lord, gracious one who pardons abundantly. In the Hebrew, baruch atah Hashem, blessed you, God. Chanun, who is gracious. Hamar and abundantly forgives. So the rule is, what happens if, let's say, you're about to... Eat an apple, right? You make a blessing prior to eating the apple. Right? But let's say there's no apple. Can you randomly make the blessing? Because you feel like it? No. It's a blessing in vain, and that's a prohibition. You can't say God's name in vain. Right? Like they say um, a kid wants an apple from their parent, or, or you want candy from your parents. right? So what does a kid do? It says the blessing. And the parents are forced to give you the candy. Otherwise, the parents are causing you to say a blessing of Right, it's manipulative trick. Okay, spiritual manipulation, spiritual blackmail. We said a blessing over here. Baruch Ata Hashem, blessed are you, Lord. God is abundantly forgiving. What happens if God doesn't forgive us? He's causing us to sin by saying a blessing in vain. The fact that we're saying that blessing is an indication that we need to trust that God is forgiving. That God forgives us. So trust and teshuva are closely associated with one another. And that's why you'll see throughout the end of this prayer, till the bottom of the page, there's all these various verses where we talk about trust. Let's start with one, two, three, four. Uh, Start with the middle of the page where it says deliverance. It's a little bit lower than the, the middle. Deliverance is the Lord's. May your blessing be upon your people forever. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord God of Jacob. It's our eternal stronghold. All these various verses where we are indicating that we feel confident. Because our relationship to God is not just about um, how we perceive him. It's not about connecting just to what he wants and his desires. But it's him. right? That's what real teshuva is. The Lord of hosts. Happy is the man who trusts in you. Lord, help us. May the king answer us on the day that we call. Grant salvation to your people. Bless your heritage. Tend them and exalt them forever. This is one of my favorite lines. Tend to them and exalt them forever. We ask God, lift us up. Because we're doing teshuva. We're connecting to you. Let us not be so stuck in our past. Stuck in our insecurities. Stuck in our um, self-criticism. Lift us up. I was just reading. I have a friend. Every Sunday morning, we study together. We study a letter from the Lubavitcher Rebbe because the Lubavitcher has tons of just responsa to diverse issues. We pick a new letter each week, just read one, to see how the Rebbe would approach issues. And he was writing to a yeshiva student who had various, uh, the letter that we read recently, the Rebbe was writing, responding to a yeshiva student who had various issues. And by the way, sometimes you don't know what the letter is responding to. Sometimes you do, depending on how the letter is written. But this boy was experiencing various issues and going through some sort of emotional, I don't want to say trauma, because that's already intense and I don't know the situation, but emotional roller coaster. And he was getting like these intrusive, self-critical thoughts. The Rebbe's response to him was, study Hasidic teachings because they're going to uplift your soul. It's such a brilliant response. He wasn't telling him how to deal with the issue. He was telling him how to bypass the issue. Just lift yourself up. You're beyond that. You're greater than. Tap into your resilient self, which is just greater than like they say, don't tell your don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is. Right? Just lift yourself up. And that's exactly what we're saying here. We're saying, God, tend to them. Exalt them forever. God, lift us up. And then we say, our soul yearns for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart, this is the last, one one last insight I want to share here because I think this is so important and very inspiring. There's a lot to to just ruminate here. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Why? For we have put our trust in his holy name. We rejoice in God because we trust in him. If you want to have joy, you gotta trust in God. When it comes to people, when are you joyous? Not when you trust in them, when you when they deliver. As Soon as the delivery comes, okay. Phew. But when it comes to God, we try our best to rejoice. As soon as we put our trust in him. And again, trust and forgiveness, trust and, and, and teshuva are, are closely associated. How do I know if God forgave me? Well, you did Teshuva, right? You did the proper Teshuva, gotta just trust and experience the joy. The best indication that somebody's doing proper Teshuva, they're joyous they're depressed, they're not doing teshuvah, they're not doing it properly. This is how we start the preliminary part of, or start the formal part of prayer. Okay, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.